Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Red Pill Your Healthcast. My name is Dr. Charlie Fagenholtz, and we are here with Lauren Johnson, the functional nurse practitioner. And we're going to carry on this episode talking about more pharmaceutical drugs. And the one we're going to point out this week are antibiotics. And we're pointing them out for good reason. The reason being, the main reason is that we have taken a medical miracle and created a medical disaster. I mean, when the antibiotics came out, there was nothing like it. And did it, it save lives. However, what that has come to is extremely overused. And I've said it so many times that chronic disease, a lot of times is the wrong treatment and suppression of acute illnesses. You know, I think that's funny that you mentioned it was a medical miracle and it was, but this is what conventional medicine does is they will overuse and overuse and just keep trying to put a square into a round hole and it just doesn't fit, Um, but they keep doing it. And that's the thing when you see chronic antibiotic use with acne and with chronic UTIs, it's clearly not working because we'll see them in the urgent care where they keep coming back for the recurrent UTI, even though they're on the daily antibiotic and it's because they're not addressing it in the root cause or, in the, or it's going to come out in other ways and especially, and then cause further issues with all the antibiotics. Yes. And so, you know, back in the day, it, it really started when everything became such germ theory and to further that it turned into every ill has a pill. And when they were able to, I, I legitimately think that antibiotics can produce miracles and have produced Definitely. miracles. I mean, I've seen MRSA. I've seen MRSA in a three-year-old. I have seen in in, on the, in the face and it, I have seen some really bad things that antibiotics are life-saving, but if we continue to use antibiotics at the pace that we do, I mean, Mm -hmm. the average American child is exposed to 17 rounds of antibiotics by the time they are 20 years old, 17, 70% of children receive an antibiotic during the first two years of life. 70%. That's crazy. And then one out of every five acute care pediatric visits ends in an antibiotic prescription. If we continue at this pace, we're going to end up with no antibiotics that actually work. And we're already seeing this in like some of the areas, the third world countries and some of the areas that are more hit um, that we're seeing a lot more antibiotic resistance. And yeah, and and that's no secret anymore. Like you and I were talking, even if you go to the CDC website, you go to Mayo Clinic, you go to all the woke, um, pharmaceutical company websites, they will say like, okay, if you use antibiotics too much, this is going to cause a big issue. And it is causing a big issue. They they will flat out say that, but that does not mean that when you go to your pediatrician, that person's not just going to throw antibiotics at anything they can't figure out. And if you go to your urgent care, that's where I feel like I, a lot of my experience, um, not all of it, but a lot of it was in urgent care because I just worked part-time and I'm telling you, there are so many providers that are just tired of saying no. And so part of this comes, the part of the solution comes from education and learning mm-hmm. that you don't actually need an antibiotic for a cold that is lasting for three days or even five days. That's right. Um, and so that part of that solution is education there. But then the other part is learning is, is helping the providers to get a backbone and to know just how bad it is for our patients to be given antibiotic after antibiotic after antibiotic. And you you talked about how a common cold lasting, you know, three to five days or longer. That's a really good point because 
antibiotics are pretty much thrown. Here's the, we made a list of the most common issues that really don't need antibiotics, but it's their, it's Western medicine's first um, defense essentially, which is you just said the common cold that I see that clinically so many times I, I've seen patients where they're like, yeah, I had a cold and it just wouldn't go away for like 10 days. And then I had to go get an antibiotic. I'm like, did you really have to go get an antibiotic or are you just being, you know, a little, uh, emotional about it? Like it, it I have seen it happen maybe once in my time as an urgent, urgent care nurse practitioner, where I truly felt like they had gotten better. They were improving and then it got much worse. They were so miserable. They had a fever. They could barely open their eyes. That's where a sinus where I was like, and it had been going on for like weeks at this point. And I was like, yeah. okay, that I can understand that, but you have like beyond that it sinus stuff is really not bacterial typically. Correct. Could it be fungal? Could it be, could it be a bunch of other things? Yes. So, uh, and, and that's across the board. Like the, we wrote down science infections, UTIs are very, uh, prescribed antibiotics right away. Ear infections. Another one that oftentimes is not bacterial, but yeah. they're still prescribed antibiotics. And they're and, viral. And it's, I know their ears will look red and mm-hmm. it looks like, Oh, that do need to treat that. But redness isn't necessarily a sign of an ear infection. Like, right. I mean, it, it's definitely some inflammation. You definitely see some pressure, but you expect that with a, with a cold, with all those things going on, but it's not necessarily a sign of infection. And the reason that kids get better or adults get better when they're given antibiotics is just time. It's yep. been two more days and, and the, the virus has gone, gotten better. The mucus has subsided. So there's less pressure, things like that. And, and think of like, for all people listening, an antibiotic means anti-life. That's literally what it means. And so you give it for bacteria, but the problem is it's not broad spectrum. Like when Lauren and I are talking about herbs, like when you're when you're reading Lauren's ebook, all the recommendations in there are herbal or homeopathic. And herbs are broad spectrum, which means that they could kill off multiple types of infections, parasites, yeast, viruses, and bacteria. When it comes to antibiotics, you're only going after bacteria, which allows the others to thrive in you. So when you come in as a patient of mine, and I keep finding yeast and parasites and viruses in people, a lot of times it's because they've had all bacteria killed off in them because they've had antibiotic use from all their Western med who couldn't figure out their issues and just threw antibiotics to try to kill infection. Yep. And you know what? The funny thing is we're seeing this with the antibiotic glyphosate, which is an, oh, herb, yeah. is an herbicide, but hear me out. So we're seeing this, I'm reading this book right now called whitewash and it is, you're actually seeing that the farmers are seeing this because they've been using glyphosate for a long time. Well, now they're getting these resistant types of, um, of, of weeds coming up that just weren't an issue 10 years ago at all. And it's because of all of the glyphosate usage. Yeah. And so we're seeing, you see this in the plant and like in the world. And then you also see this in the human body. Yeah. And so for those of you who don't know what glyphosate is, that is what you use on your weeds. That's Roundup and glyphosate is sprayed on all our crops that aren't organic. Um, and even winds can take it onto organic crops. So even if you think you're not exposed to it, you are exposed to it. It's absolutely everywhere. Um, I can't remember what the, is it the glyphosate belt that runs from the Midwest down to like Mississippi? The cancer alley. Uh, the cancer alley, yeah. And that's where the most amount of glyphosate is um, used. And that's where the highest cancer rates are. 
And that I have a story about that. But what I was getting at is what glyphosate really is doing is when a when a bug goes to eat the crop and they get exposed to glyphosate, it gets into their digestive tract and it basically explodes their digestive tract. Now, when you say, well, why should we eat? You know, when we try to bring it up and we say we shouldn't be eating that, they say, no, it works on the shikimate pathway, which is, I think it's called the shikimate pathway. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Look it up for me, Lauren, while I tell the story that I'm not shikimate, lying. Shikimate path- pathway. Shikimate, yeah. Okay. Shikimate pathway. So what they say is it works on that and that humans don't have that. Well, here's the issue. All of our gut microbiome does, all the bacteria in our bodies do. So now we're literally eating an antibiotic all day long. And that's where all these chronic yeast infections, like deep rooted yeast infections and parasites, that's why we're so filled with them. When you listen to what I'm saying on Instagram, in my stories, in my Q&A, and I keep saying similar answers, it's because it's so dang common. And it's things like this that are creating that. Um, so my story on, on, uh, the cancer alley was I was speaking in Dallas in 2017, uh, under Lee Cowden. For those of you who don't know Lee Cowden, he was Dr. Joe Marcola's mentor. Um, one of my good friends, Learen Keneally, who's in Southern California. Uh, I was working with her and she thought that he would find what I was doing pretty interesting. So I didn't think anything of it. Turns out within the next day, he sends me a text message saying, hey, Dr. Keneally said that I have to see what you're doing. He invites me to Dallas. So fun to, to meet him and, and you know just be in his presence because he's he was a cardiologist that got his license taken away for treating Lyme disease. Wow. And so he's very into functional medicine. He learned muscle testing through Versendahl, who was my biggest mentor. And so he invites me down there and it's a group of maybe 40 of us and it's all medical doctors, acupuncturists, nurses. And I'm like the, the lone wolf chiropractor there. And, um, and Zach Bush was speaking, uh, right before me too. And I was listening to him speak and he was saying that his, his, uh, really big wow moment was when he was studying breast cancer and they started, uh, doing the microbiome of breast tissue. And to his surprise, the people who had all the cancer had zero microbiome diversity and all the pathogens killed. Wow. Isn't that pretty wild? So, and that is essentially when they say like, uh, cancer alley, where most of the pesticide glyphosate is used, why there's a direct correlation to using something that's basically an antibiotic that's killing off all of your microbiome. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we're talking about a pesticide. We're talking about prescription antibiotics. We're talking yes. about, and that's because it all matters. And, and when we say this, we know that like, you're going to, you're, if you, they tested you, you'd probably have glyphosate in your body. And no. if they tested me, I would probably have glyphosate in my body. And the same thing for your children as well. Many children have received antibiotics. Many adults have. And so we will talk about, um, here in a little bit about, what you can do and what you can do. So we don't want to instill a lot of fear. This is something that we want to be practical with it, but this is an issue that a lot of us are everyone. Now, if you are in Europe, you may have less of it. And that is some, that is one of the reasons people say that they tolerate different foods better Mm -hmm. over in Europe. And it's because they use, they don't allow a lot of glyphosate use and Mexico just outlawed it too. So like there are more countries that are jumping on board and realizing the issues with this. It's a, it's a class one carcinogen or group one. I don't know what the right term is. It's, it's declared a carcinogen. Even IARC has found that, but 
the United States is probably not going to happen because what we do here, and this is what this book is talking about. I'll link it in the show notes. It's a really good book that helps explain how the, um, the Urbis or the Monsanto and the, all the different co um, companies, how they are really embedded in the FDA and in the EPA. And so did it, did it talk about Michael Taylor? I haven't heard that name yet. So What's Michael my Taylor was a lawyer for, um, I believe it, he went for Monsanto first and then he went, was the lawyer for the FDA. Uh, and, and that actually, there was several other people that were scientists for, and then they went back and forth. Like it is, it is obscene when you hear this, how you are, how, how would this make you not trust any, any, make you trust anything else? Because it is so, that bad. And this so is just he, about glyphosate. So he goes, it says Taylor joined Monsanto company where he worked for 16 months as the vice president of public policy after coming from the FDA from 91 to 94. He was the, he was a lawyer for the FDA. He led the FDA's new office of policy and then went over to Monsanto. You know, and the same thing happens with the pharmaceutical companies. 100%. Same thing happens. 100%. Julie, Julie Herberding um, was in uh, director of the CDC and then went and head up the vex the head of the vaccine program um, at Merck. It is like, how is that legal? How it's, it's is that insane. legal? It's we live in such a litigious society. How is that legal? And it, it it is. And these people make these people make policy that impacts your health. Yeah. Um, either way, there's no reason to fear or to be mad <laughs> or to like let that create stress in your life because you can't change it. Like right. control the controllables. That is not a controllable that you can ever touch. And That's so right. it is what it is. And until one day that maybe they'll create a law where they outlaw stuff like that, which who knows if it would actually be enforced, it probably wouldn't be. <laughs> you know, what's funny is in Monsanto, the, all their um, cafeteria food is fully organic with no Roundup on it. In, in Monsanto's in, like headquarters, no way. Their, their cafeteria is fully organic. And it, you can <laughs> even Google uh, or you can YouTube uh, one. I think he's like the CEO of Monsanto or whatever. He says that it's so safe, Roundup's so safe, you can drink it. And they ask him to drink it and he won't do it. Oh my goodness. It's because they know. They, they and, know. And, oh, they 100% know. And, and, and the book explains that. Like they know. They are yep. fully aware of the issues. Uh, yeah. but I mean, they, they're the ones who made Agent Orange in Vietnam. They've been doing well, this for a long time. And it's the same reason they're not going to do anything about the vaccine. They're not going to come out and fully say anything because they don't want to get sued and they know right. they will be. Um, and yep. you know, that's, that's, that's why they will never fully come out and admit it, even if they know they're doing harm. Correct. All right. Yeah. Let's get back on the antibiotic train. Uh, we, you and I, uh, <laughs> we went, we went off a little bit on a tangent. Sorry guys, yeah. but that really, it is an antibiotic that we are exposed to yeah. that uh, animals are that we eat are given antibiotics too. That's that a huge thing right there is, is the, the, why someone's like, okay, so why should we eat grass fed grass finished, um, beef and stuff like that? It's just more expensive. Well, it's really not more expensive because the health issues you're going to get from having glyphosate ridden meat is a lot more expensive than what you're paying for grass fed grass finished beef now. And it's not even glyphosate, just, just glyphosate. It's also the, they actually yeah, antibiotics. a lot more antibiotics to the, to the animals. And so I do, I, cause they're all packed in together and, you know, that's what I meant to say was antibiotics, but I got glyphosate on oh, my yeah, mind because yeah. we're, we're going nuts with it. 
they they really do they pack them in together and they give them more antibiotics and so i think that is a big issue and reason why we are exposed to more antibiotics as well and so yeah. that is important to do as you know to as much as you can to buy quality meats and eggs and things like that quality foods and how about um uh pasteurized conventional dairy aren't those filled with antibiotics yeah yeah, I'll, I'll link a, I'll link some information for you there. Um, I know that Dr. Charlie is not a huge fan of dairy, um, <laughs> but I do believe that and nothing that God created is bad. And so as long as it is, you know, in its full form that God created, I am okay with it. Uh, and I do think there's a lot of nutrients in it, um, but I do think no, it's not- I would agree. I would agree. There's nutrients and colostrum in it. But so if Lauren and I were sitting at dinner, my rebuttal- would be we're the only species that drinks another species milk. You know, I saw a rebuttal to that earlier. I'm gonna have to pull that up and find that, so I can say that back to you. Okay. Um, but I don't, I don't, I don't know what it was. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> but all I can say is I do think there's a lot of nutrients there. Mm. I do, I do think that because of the toxicity in the world that we live in, not everyone will be able to tolerate it at all, and it will be harmful for some people. Yeah. Uh, even and it's, it's in and it's in vaccines, and so depending on how strong your nervous system is. If you reacted really poorly, which most people do to vaccines, then your body could develop an allergy to lactose and casein and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so those, that's another little tangent that we had there. Yeah. Okay. And then now we're going back <laughs> to antibiotics. Okay. Yeah. So these are given out all the time. Antibiotics have a lot of health issues. They it's, it's, it's almost, it's, it's crazy that this isn't more well-known. I think that. I think that providers don't want to admit it or don't want to realize what they're doing is harmful, mm -hmm. but they know that it does cause antibiotics do cause a lot of health issues. So one meta-analysis found antibiotic exposure is linked to double the risk of asthma and wheezing, 75% increase of juvenile arthritis, 75% mm -hmm. increase of, of allergies, 38% uh, increased risk of food allergies and atopic dermatitis or like eczema. And then 20% increase of risk, risk of weight gain and obesity, which leads me to one other thing of the sanitization of America. Um, mm. And that is causing a lot of obesity too, um, because they're, they have linked gut dysbiosis that is caused by all these sanitizers being used. And it, they link the sanitizers and the, um, the cleaning products to changing the gut microbiome and affecting obesity. That could be so, another good podcast right there is on sanitizers. Man. Oh. Um, please stop spraying your kids. Like, ooh. yeah. Okay. So, and then also antibiotics are really linked to depression and anxiety. And why is that? Because of the brain gut axis. When you change wow. the gut, the, I talked about this, um, in my autism video in the membership, the vagus nerve, which is our main parasympathetic healing nerve goes from the brainstem and attaches to every organ. And what'll happen is it's very, very connected to the digestive tract. And these, this inflammation, these infections, it's like a two lane highway. Anything in the gut can go up the nerve directly into the brain and influence brain immune activation. And yeah. so, and that's I, why kids, kids and adults with chronic infections, they also have a lot more troubles with their nervous system and, and anxiety and depression because that vagus nerve is impacted so much. Absolutely. And so, you know, biology class 101 was structure dictates function. And so if your brain is inflamed, that dictates the function of your brain. And the gut brain access is such an important role in literally everything. And that's why 
um, when Lauren was talking about what it's all linked to, antibiotic use is linked to, essentially you can say antibiotic use is linked to every single metabolic disorder known to man. Yep. Every single one. And I'm sure if you look for a study, if you look up this and antibiotics, you'll find whatever it is. Like it, it is, they are, they are life-saving, but at the same time, that is when you should use them when they are saving your life. Exactly. A good thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing still. And this is an example of maybe the most overused, it's got to be the most overused miracle of all time. Yeah. And how I liken it with patients when, when I'm talking to them, because you got to break it down simply. You got to do metaphors. Metaphors is a great way of making things land. Um, that's one thing I've learned in my career is if you can do good metaphors, it really makes people click or click for people. And what I'll say in antibiotic is in the case of a common cold, a sinus infection, things like that is it's like calling the fire department to put out a burning candle. It just doesn't make sense. And so uh, all the stuff that Lauren was talking about, asthma, um, all, all that stuff, really what's going on from a uh, physiological standpoint is antibiotics increase your TH2 dominance. And if you haven't listened to our allergy podcast, listen, because we talk a lot about that. But in a nutshell, when your TH2 goes up, your histamine goes up. Every hollow organ starts having issues, which is your bowel, your bladder, your sinus, your lungs, which obviously goes with asthma. Um, you, you basically can't fight off viruses, bacteria, and yeast because that takes a TH1 response and TH1 and TH2 are on a teeter-totter. If one is high, the other is low and it's all about the balance. And so antibiotics will completely skyrocket that TH2. Um, I've also have read, and I haven't, I didn't find this study, but I read that um, it only takes one round of antibiotics to permanently change your microbiome. Now, I think maybe if you don't do anything about it from a functional standpoint, that's true. I think any, I always believe in miracles. So even if someone tells you nothing can be done, I always believe there's something that can be done, even if research says so-and-so. And so let's talk a little bit about some of the things that we can do um, when people would usually throw antibiotics at it, or say you you are on an antibiotic or you've just been on an antibiotic and we um, and you're looking to help your body with the effects of that. I know you have a ton of good stuff in your ebook. So if you guys haven't checked out her ebook, it is a phenomenal tool. Um, I've been telling my patients to always have it on hand. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, so- It'll help uh, without... just prevent the need. I mean, there's just lots of things. And I'm not saying to don't take the antibiotic if you're given one. I'm just saying there are so many options for everything that why not look at some of these things that you can do alongside of other things? Yes. Okay. So, so let's, let's break it down. Someone has a sinus infection, someone has a common cold, um, and they think they want, they need an antibiotic. What would be some of your go-tos in those cases or, or UTIs is a very popular one. Ear infections are a popular one. What, what do you, um, throw them, uh, out of the medicine cabinet at your uh, children or yourself in these situations? Yeah. So with like an ear infection, so I chiropractor is huge for that. Yeah. If you're, if it's not draining well, then it's, you're not, and that is so much, you can explain that. Why don't you explain that a little bit better? <laughs> well, your, your ears are connected to your jaw and your first cervical vertebra, which is called the Atlas, which in my experience, clinical pearl is if you have chronic Atlas problems, you have a chronic food allergy that you haven't um, addressed yet. That's a good one, but write that one down. Um, but 
Now, if you adjust the cervical vertebra, you change the dynamic of the eustachian tube, which drains into the back of the throat. Um, and if you're opening it up, you're allowing things to drain in your tonsils and adenoids to work more effectively. Um, and it just, it, it's kind of like a lymphatic release, so to speak in that area. Um, and, and that's why, uh, chiropractic has produced miracles because chiropractic was never really about, uh, treating back pain. It was about helping people who have been failed on elsewhere, uh, with a very non-invasive way, essentially, because, the first class of chiropractors were medical doctors. Mm. They were all MDs. Yeah. And then they came over to learn what D.D. Palmer was doing because uh, a janitor had uh, was deaf in his ear, in his right ear. And D.D. Palmer, who's, who created chiropractic, adjusted his thoracic spine and it restored his hearing. And so that's what put him out on the quest of, okay, if I can change the casing, which is the spine of the nervous system, it changes the way the brain functions. And that's where chiropractic really started. Oh, it's fascinating. So, and, and that can make a huge difference. I actually saw this play out a couple of weeks ago when my daughter had a cold and had a, then had a red ear, her ear was hurting. It was very red. We so happened to have um, a, a chiropractic appointment that day and her atlas was off that day. It was the first time it had been off. And in it, after I, I looked at her ear, we also did, um, some herbs and we did, um, reishi and I did garlic oil in her ear and the chiropractor. And I tell you what, that next day, her ear was back to normal, her ear drum. Like I looked in her ear. I will put the otoscope that I, that I use from Amazon. It's not super great, but it works. Um, and you can see the ear. I actually have it in my ebook of pictures of what it would look like, Mm. uh, what you would expect to see and what typically is what a viral picture, what typically would be a bacterial one. And so garlic oil is a great one herbs. Um, I like like herb farm has a few, um, combo remedies that are great. I love reishi mushroom as, um, immune modifying and it's great. I mean, typically even like young kids can do it. You just do like a tiny little sprinkle of it. Um, and so, and and you know, what's awesome is you tell this story about how brought your daughter, she got adjusted. You did some things at home. The next day was so much different. That is amazing because in America and most places, you'll immediately run to your pediatrician, you'll immediately get an antibiotic. And now all the stuff we've been talking about is so much more possible for your children. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, this is, this is, this is doable guys. Like this yes. is really doable. Very um, doable. It is like, I, I was never one that ran antibiotics for my children, even though I was very conventional when I first had them. But I, I will say I have seen the shift in other people and other families and you can, you can write it out. You can do these things. It just takes a little bit of opening your mind and having the tools at home and having the chiropractor that you're not, you have to be an established patient, you know, like that type of thing, um, having being, and being able to get in, um, quickly. So yeah, ear infections, that's a really good one. Um, I do like, have you ever used the chiropractic ear adjustment? I have. (laughs) You have, I, yeah. I, my dad, it actually worked really well on him for like, uh, his ears were really full and he couldn't hear really well. Yep. And that was really helpful for him. This was a few years ago. And so even though the ENT said, there's nothing else I can do, like you're done. I, I don't have anything else I can do. Nothing's wrong. And I did that on him with some oils outside the ear. Um, not mm-hmm. in the ear. I did, um, what I did was Melrose and purification. You could do tea tree lavender on diluted on the outside of the ear in front of the ear, behind the ear and down the neck and 
Finn did the maneuver and it, it worked. It, it cleared that's him. Awesome. So that's, those are things that, that you want to think about with sinus stuff. I like sinus rinses for adults, for kids that like Exlear kids. Um, that's pretty much all you're going to be able to do to get kids <laughs> to yeah. be able to do stuff up the nose. Um, but you can do what you can. Um, and I nebulizing do- is great. Yes. Nebulizing is so great. And so I do think that they're, and I usually t- stick with saline. There's a, you could nebulize mm-hmm. NAC or NAC. Yep. Uh, that is something that can so, be helpful. So one of the ones that I will nebulize, um, you can get in full script is results RNA. It's their glutathione spray. It's clean enough to nebulize and it has NAC and trimethylglycine in it and alpha lipoic acid. Um, I'll put that in with saline and then iodine because iodine is what thins mucus. It is what it produces mucinase in your system. And so a lot of times uh, people are iodine deficient and that causes a lot of like post-nasal drip and like stuff, more so stuffy um, sinuses. A lot of times iodine can help that. Yeah. And that's one reason why we saw COVID um, iodine nebulizing COVID. I mean, I did a lot of that care and I saw that firsthand with patients that it would help a lot. And so I do think that's something that would be really helpful. Um, so with sinus stuff, honestly, I do a lot of herbs. I do some topical essential oils that are diluted. Um, diffusing can be great. Uh, there's just so many. And then, oh, gua sha. Have you ever done gua sha? Mm, yeah. So it's really helpful for sinus headaches. And you just kind of, and there's tons of videos on YouTube of how to do it. Um, but that type of stuff really is powerful. I also have a sinus lymphatic massage video on YouTube. I'll link below, um, where it really does help to help drain, uh, as somebody who used to st- struggle with sinus headaches and ear issues. Um, I did, I have that for years and I don't yeah. anymore. And a lot of that is because of, um, you know, you're working on the root cause you'll fix all of that. But these things really did help when I was, when I was still having issues. And I, um, science infections were very common for me growing up. I'd have minimum of three a year, maximum of about five a year. Um, I'd go on antibiotics and steroids every single time. And when I got into chiropractic school and I started learning about muscle testing and functional medicine, and I changed my diet and I started cleaning up my gut, that was in 2013. So that's 10 years ago. This February will be 10 years ago that I started learning this stuff. Um, and I've had three science infections since. And I lived in mold in California. So yeah. mold is a very common sinus infection. That's what I was going to say. If you have recurrent sinus issues, yeah. that's something that you need to think about. And yeah, mold, like mold, recurrent coughing. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So mold for sure. And then from an emotional standpoint, sinuses are tears that you haven't cried yet. Mm. So there's a clinical pearl too. I'm, I'm dropping clinical pearls today on this there, uh, podcast. There are a lot of emotional connections. Um, yes. That's just something that, people need to accept that they are, they carry weight with our body and they carry frequency. And that if you have emotions that are not processed, it it will ca- cause issues eventually. And if you do, if you can find, we are going all kinds of places with this podcast. Um, if you can find an NET uh, provider locally to you, NET yes. is fantastic. It's called neuro emotional technique yep. and it goes to the subconscious and it's really helpful for, for helping to process out emotions. Really, really good. So yeah. Um, for sinuses, I always test immune armor from Vervita yeah. uh, because thymus and spleen tissue, similar to reishi mushroom, uh, is very important to upregulate your innate immune system towards um, sinus stuff. So I'll always check that. The iodine is a crucial one, especially if you can nebulize with glutathione and um, saline is uh, also phenomenal. Now, um, let's talk a little bit about 
how if you've taken antibiotics, what you can do. And the biggest thing that we see with antibiotic use is chronic deep-rooted yeast fungal infections. And what does that lead to? Well, that leads to fibroids, that leads to prostate issues, that leads to fatigue because it creates ammonia, which depletes your GABA. And now you're restless and now you're irritable and now your mind doesn't shut down. Without GABA, you get anxious. So there's the there's another connection besides the vagus nerve that ammonia will break down the main neurotransmitter that is responsible for keeping your minds stable and less anxious. So what do you so tell the people what they need to hear? What uh is your go-to's for say you just had an antibiotic and you're looking to help those effects? What are your go-to's, Lauren? Yeah. Well, okay. So first is nervous system support is like what we were just talking about. And so really being mindful of what you're taking in and consuming during that time. If the news is on all the time, that might impact how you feel. If you're scrolling social media, um, things like that, go outside in the morning, get some morning sunlight, take some deep breaths, just sit um, and just be and that will be really helpful. The nervous system is super crucial right here because it's going to be extra sensitive with um, the antibiotics. And then other things like addressing the yeast. And so we discussed before we came on, we were talking about megaspore probiotic or Saccharomyces uh, boulardii. Yep. And Saccharomyces Which is in, them, in their product line, it's the Restore Flora from Megaspore has Sac boulardii in it. Okay. Okay. There you go. Um, and so that is going to really com help combat the yeast. Um, I, I, for kids, I do, I do like Megaspore. I know, uh, I know Dr. Charlie does, um, just yep. a little sprinkle of it. Yep. Um, you don't really need much. Nope. And, and whether they, what other things do you typically like for yeast? So golden thread Supreme is my go-to. It is very bitter. It is very strong. So can a child take it? Maybe. Is it really tough to get them to swallow? Cause it's so bitter. Yes. And just kind of monitor their bowel movements. For a gentler version, Lauren and I always talk about Scutellaria Supreme. Um, I love Scutellaria. Scutellaria is Chinese skullcap. It rebuilds the gut lining. It rebuilds the blood-brain barrier. It produces glutathione. Um, it calms your mind. It regenerates your nerves. It makes your lymph flow. It's anti-mold, anti-candida, anti-viral. It's anti-Epstein-Barr. And Both my kids are on it. <laughs> yeah. And, and my <laughs> daughter's on it right now. Cause my daughter has an ear infection as we speak. And so I yeah. just came home from work. I treated her. It came up as viral. She tested on Wode Supreme and Scutellaria, um, some drops with golden thread in the drops with garlic and mullein. Um, and then I adjusted her, did some of my frequency medicine on her, and then she fell asleep in like 10 minutes. So we'll see how she does tomorrow. Um, but Scutellaria pregnancy safe and breastfeeding safe. Yeah. And that's something we didn't mention antibiotic use during pregnancy. Oh yeah. Yeah. We've been, big, we love big, big, no, no. The reason why I say that is because of something called MIA maternal immune activation, which your, your, um, in utero, you determine your child's natural killer cells, which is their innate immune system and their uh, microglial cell uh, composition, which is your brain immune cells. And if you've listened to my autism video, those being activated are the number one hallmark sign of autism. And so if you, you can Google this, if you want, if you type in antibiotic use and autism, they will show you that in utero, if you were exposed to antibiotics, you are more likely to develop neurodevelopmental disorders, which they classify as autism, ADD, ADHD, all that type of stuff. So let's try not to use antibiotics during pregnancy, unless it's life-saving, obviously. 
Um, but Scutellaria, if you have done it, Scutellaria is my go-to um, for and helping little, the side effects. And a little Megaspore probably. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll definitely check Megaspore. I I use more herbs than I do pro and spore biotics clinically. I just find that they test better. Um, but those are going to be my go-to is a, a spore-based uh, spore biotic, which is Megaspore. And um, I'm checking Golden Thread and I'm checking Scutellaria first and foremost. Gotcha. Yeah. So there are lots of things you can do. I also have a gummy recipe that, I, that the kids tend to do well with, and it has gelatin. Gelatin is great for the gut lining. I also love aloe vera. I usually buy mm. the liquid organic brand. Um, it is a little not super sweet tasting. And so yeah. for kids, you could just mix it in with a smoothie, and that would be a great way to get some good aloe in them, which is great for the gut lining. Yeah. Aloe is so good. Aloe is so underutilized. I mean, you only think about aloe when you think about sunburn, yeah. but if, if it soothes your sunburn, which is epithelium and skin, yeah. that's what your gut's made out of. So think about what it does if you take it internally. Right. Right. It's um, so many things that you can do that you just don't even think of that are really not that expensive. For sure. For sure. Um, I didn't have anything else written down. Is there anything else that you want to cover? I think we did a pretty decent job. Yeah. Um, I think that that's a, I mean, we covered a whole range of exposures to antibiotics and the the things that it can cause. Um, We don't want to cause any guilt or shame or, um, you know, anything like that, because that's not going to help and it's not going to take you out of this, but know that once you know better then you can do better. And so, you know, better we you've, you've learned, you've listened to this podcast. I'm sure you've seen it elsewhere. And here's things that we can do to arm ourselves so that it doesn't happen. And yes, my ebook and then Charlie's membership. That's a great way to really go after some of these root causes that will happen. Um, so there's lots of things that you can do. And it's not yeah. about here's all this information to make you get scared. No, it's here's all this information to help empower you to know what the right next step is for your family. Absolutely. And before we go, I did think of one last thing. Uh, for UTIs, we talked about it, but we didn't give a, a solution. Manos and Uber Ursi Supreme. And, yes. And, and uh, so I love, I, I love Manos. I yeah. love Uber Ursi, which is Uber Ursi Supreme. I will also take it into the Vervita line um, because cranberry is in immune armor. Yeah. And the thymus and spleen tissue helps kill bacteria. Yeah. Um, but also Vervita Cleanse has Uber Ursi and oregano in it. And oregano is another good one. Um, I will usually check oregano, uva ursi, and every once in a while, I'll check grapefruit seed extract, but it hasn't been testing as well lately. It used to test all the time, like five years ago, but oregano is definitely testing better. Um, so I will tell patients, get a good D-mannose, cranberry's great, uva ursi, oregano. Those are my go-tos. If you have chronic UTIs, check parasites which I did a whole great video in the membership on check mold. Mold is a very big inducer of yeah. sinus infections and UTIs. Well, and histamine, um, it's a chronic thing like histamine being a factor. For sure. Mold's a big driver. Parasites are a big driver of that. And an- another video I did in the membership, uh, which was video number two, which is bladder congestion. And the bladder is extremely emotional. So the people who have the most suppressed trauma will have the most UTIs in their life. You can take that to the bank. Clinical pearl number three for the night. <laughs> That's a lot for what for one podcast. <laughs> Other things that you can do, um, increasing vitamin C. I do yes. I do use um the 
some like not just the whole food sea, but I do like the Camus Supreme. Yeah, there me too. Other, um, whole, there are other seas that you could do. Nettles and echinacea, marshmallow root is, um, I really like um, herbal infusions. And so that can be a great way to just sip on those things that can be really helpful. I'll put some information in the show notes about those um, other things that can be helpful. All right, folks, uh, we hope you enjoyed this. Uh, Lauren and I will put another poll probably on Sunday to see what y'all want to hear about next. Um, and then we will take it from there. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day or night, depending on when you're listening to this. And one more thing. Oh, I, I, I forgot be, this week. <laughs> this is not meant to be medical advice. This is meant to be educational. Please speak with your healthcare provider before changing anything. Yes, absolutely. We love you all and we'll see you on the next one.